Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. We try to encourage other TIs that may listen just to, you know, um, to be here as a as a source, you know, to, you know, encourage, but whatever you feel most comfortable with. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Prayer Warriors Needed because Prayer Warriors are needed. Tonight we're looking at, we're continuing our reading, uh, When God Turns a Curse into a Blessing. Um, the issues tonight, we're looking, though silent, God is still present, even though he may seem silent at times. And then we're looking at the life of the book of Job. We're looking at the importance of vision. Don't lose your vision. And it may look gloomy. No one likes to be tortured, harassed, legally abused, um, induced poverty, induced sickness, man-made disasters. You know, you name it, the devil is sitting here, you know, plotting and planning. But we know that God is sovereign. And one thing we must keep in mind, is that they are compromised. They have done some ruthless things to get the world free power. So there has to come a line that they cannot pass. And those are spiritual lines, and that's why we invoke the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of the Most High God, the protection, the hedge of protection. And uh, we have to do our share to stay under that hedge and under the Most High God because we're not compromised. And we give honor and praise and exalt God for his sovereignty. And God is sovereign over the invisible realm as well as the invisible realm. So they think they have a secret, but God has a master plan. And I'm binding rebuke every plot to hurt God's people in the name of Jesus. So, oh God, we give you all the praise, Heavenly Father. We thank you, God, for the privilege of prayer. We thank you, God, that we can come together and exalt your name and just say, God, just we praise you, we exalt you, we magnify your name, God. God, there are things we may not understand, but we know that you're the God of great understanding and great decision-making. And God, we thank you that you've given us a book to rely on to give us some type of guidance, some type of uh, countermeasures, some type of uh, leadership and, and expectations and, and, and the confirmation we need to know the oldest book on the earth is the Bible. And we thank you, God, for Bible stories that we can look at other targeted individuals like Job and other, we, can, we can get a full understanding that evil's been on this earth for a very long time. They used to dip human beings in hot oil. And, and, and you know, it's, it's just different today. It's a di- just a different type of evil. But it's still the work of the, the pit list, the bottom of the pit, the demons themselves. We come together, God, to say that we know that you've given us authority over demons. And we ask you, God, to direct and lead us to use that authority proficiently to just change change things around, Heavenly Father. And their plans for a satanic takeover, 
to usurp authority over the earthly realm, Heavenly Father. I know that you can intervene and turn that thing upside down. We stand on your word, God, that you can turn curses into blessings. And everything the demons have done to usurp authority they do not have on this earth, Heavenly Father. We plead the blood of Jesus, God, for you to guide your people, coupled with divine intervention, God, to stop the plan of hurting God's people and bind up the use of government resources so Satanists can meet their requirements. I bind that spirit up, God. And God gives strength to every targeted individual, God, that don't know how they're going to make it, Heavenly Father. Let them stand on your word, Heavenly Father, and let them know that you can give them one word, Heavenly Father, that can change their life, that you can put a person in their life, God, that can turn things around, Heavenly Father, that you use people, that you've created us to help each other, that you've created us to do your work on this earth, Heavenly Father, for T.I. said, Need that type of support, Heavenly Father. I ask you, God, to open the windows of heaven and provide them what they need, Heavenly Father, because only you know what they need. Heavenly Father, as we're in these, this test, help us to pass these tests, God. These trials are horrific. They try our faith, God, but we're here with thirst and yearning to continue to learn about standing on God's word, walking in faith. We ask you, God, to disable these demons, Heavenly Father, from the top demon to the lowest demon, Heavenly Father. We plead the blood of Jesus that they will have no impact on your people, Heavenly Father, particularly praying people, God, that we will be covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and that their compromise will be shown across this nation, Heavenly Father, that their compromise will be exploited, that you will make a show of them, Heavenly Father, for chasing, for serving the, uh, for serving a, a demonic spirit, Heavenly Father. God, we thank you for the privilege of prayer. We thank you, God. We thank you for our elders, Heavenly Father. We ask you, God, to keep protecting them in particular, God, a hedge of protection over all vulnerable populations, our elders, our children, the disabled, that they will be covered, that no weapon formed against them shall prosper, that any demon attack will be turned the other way, Heavenly Father. Any demon attack against any of any of God's people, Heavenly Father, will just be turned the other way. Heavenly Father, we give you the praise, we give you the glory, and we thank you, and we exalt you, and we magnify your name. We ask you, God, to bless this lesson that we can leave here, God, with some information that we did not know previously. Give us understanding, God. We're looking at when God is silent. When you're a targeted individual, it looks like, where are you, God? Why is this happening? But God gives us us and the demons that are in human bodies free will. And uh, their free will is causing a lot of harm. So, Heavenly Father, direct us in the path we should go to turn this curse into a blessing. This is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're looking at um, Job's life, and um, we're taking it from the PDF, uh, page uh, um, 44, but I'm going to start at 43. Job was not backslidden. Job's testimony has deteriorated to some degree as the trial has lessened into long months. Now, Job, can you imagine his testimony deteriorated after long months? Can you imagine years? T.I.'s been dealing with this for years. I mean, you have to be a really strong person 
And you have to really know God to just keep moving forward. And especially when you know that these demons are just taking out people that don't even know uh, the difference uh, of, you know, the demon realm and God's realm. And that God spared us and he spared us for a reason and that we do have work to do. At first, Job did not sin with his lips or charge God foolishly, Job 1.22. But now, as time goes on, he's sinning with his lips, and he's charging God foolishly. And so many, let me just interject, so many TIs do the same thing. And we can just ask Holy Spirit to touch their souls and just have them have a change of heart, because this program was designed to make you, you know, they want you to turn on God. So you have to know your God, and you have to know his His powers, and you have to know that the enemy is compromised. So you have to you have to understand that. So even so, he's not cursing God or renouncing his faith as Satan said he would. Job is depressed. Some of his words are very unspiritual, but he is not cursing God. Do not label Job a backslider. Others who have had to suffer in the crucible uh have been labeled backslidden by some today, but this reflects spiritual shallowness. One pastor taught that if you were sick, you were unspiritual and had no faith until he got sick and had to see a doctor. Job feels that God has made him a byword. I believe with all my heart that the Lord is willing to sacrifice our reputation and everything else we have in order to do an eternal redeeming work in our hearts, then God recompenses us lavishly in the end. As he says by the prophet Joel, he will restore unto you the years which have been devoured by the devourers. Joel 2.25. My days are past. My purposes are broken. Job never expected to see good again. He believed he was going to an early grave. Dark clouds and depressions are like that. Everything seems hopeless, but when God shines through the dark clouds with the rays of his glory on how our outlook can change, when God turned Job's captivity, it was though a bad nightmare had vanished. You know Job was a T.I. After this, he lived an additional 140 years in peace, prosperity, and honor. Bildad, Bildad's second discourse. Bildad was one of his, Bildad was vindictive. He was insulted and offended, and he let it be known. Wherefore, are we counted as beasts and reputed vile in your sight? And in the remainder of his discourse, he speaks of the judgments that come upon the wicked. And of course, he is applying them to Job. He teared himself in his anger, despondent and dejected by his circumstances and the insensitivity of his brethren. Job seemed almost violent and raving as he attempted to state his case. Remember Job 6.26, to try to be a good listener, help the one in affliction to be calm. Hysteria must be conquered before a person can have faith. Everyone must learn to rule the spirit, the spirit within us, Proverbs 16.32. Job's fifth answer, Chapter 19, how long will you vex my soul and break me in pieces with words? Words are powerful, words are spirit, not just vocal sounds, and they affect our spirit. Many of the problems and complexes we battle against go back to wrong words that were planted in our minds many years ago. These ten times have you reproached me, one 
110 separate occasions. Job's friends had misjudged and condemned him. Ten is the number of trials. God was using the faults and incompetency of these brethren to get at something in Job. God was still choosing to be silent. It is God's silence that is the most painful aspect of any trial. Yes. Again, it is God's silence that is the most painful of any trial, and that is so true. That's in Job 19.7. Okay, Job recounts all that God had done to him. His family and friends had turned against him. Boy, was he a T.I. Family and friends turned against him. Wow. He pleads for mercy from the brethren, and he longs to be understood, but is not. Job 19.21. Though silent, God is still present. Job 19.23, Job wishes that his words were recorded and printed in a book. God gave him his request. We have the book of Job. Although God was silent, he was ever present with Job in the furnace of affliction, and he was listening carefully to every word. Later, God rebuked both Job and the three friends for their maligning words. It is a comfort to know that the Lord is with us during our trials, even when he chooses to remain silent. Job's vision of the second coming, the resurrection, and the millennium. He still had a vision with all he was going through. Wow. Job 19, verses 25 to 27. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though after my skin worms destroy this body, Yet in my flesh shall I see God. Whom shall I see for myself? And mine eye shall behold, and not another. Though my reins be consumed with me. After all that Job had been through, the fire of faith still burned strongly in his heart. Before the onset of his trial, Job had received personal promises from God, which urged him to live, to live carefully. Job had been given a glimpse of eternity. He saw himself clothed with a glorious resurrected body in the millennial age, and he saw his Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, standing on the earth. Job had a sense of destiny because of the promises he had received from God and because he saw eternity. Job understood by revelation that he was going to be resurrected to reign with Christ in the millennium. What was the purpose of his trial? Job was going through this, no, excuse me, Job was going through his own great tribulation in order to be purified and made ready to rule and reign with Christ in the millennium. Therefore, Job is sometimes called the millennium saint, a type of the church of tribulation. Job is a type of the last day church. The end time church must pass through the great tribulation in order to wash her robes and make them white in the blood of the Lamb. It is in the tribulation that patience is made perfect. The church has made herself ready and been arrayed in fine linen. Is the church that has just come out of great tribulation, Revelation 19.7. Not every Christian will participate in the first resurrection. Not every believer will rule and reign with Christ in the millennium. God is not going to give the throne of rulership to spiritual infants or to those 
who have not submitted to his refining fires. The throne is only for men and women who have overcome. If we suffer with him, we shall also reign with him, 2 Timothy 2.12. All of the promises of God have conditions, Hebrews 10.36. And this is often not understood. Wow. All of the promises of God have conditions, Hebrews 10.36. And this is often not understood. The importance of vision. It is important to understand what we are pressing toward and to set our eyes on the mark. What is the goal? What is the prize of the high calling of God? It is to have a better resurrection and to make it into the millennium. Philippines 3.10. People who lack real vision have no sense of destiny and they dwell carelessly. Proverbs 29.18. We should ask God for a vision of the prize that is set before us. When we see the prize, the prize will seem very small. In Zophar, Zophar's second discourse, chapter 20, Job chapter 20, verse 3. Zophar is very vindictive too. He also has felt insulted. I have felt the check of my reproach, the spirit of my understanding causes me the answer. That is exactly how they spoke with the spirit of their own understanding. He accuses Job of being a hypocrite. Excuse me. The triumphing of the wicked is short and the joy of the hypocrite but for a moment. Above all, he asserts that Job's calamity was a portion of a wicked man from God, the heritage appointed unto him by God. In chapter 21, we see Job's sixth answer. Job argues that sometimes the wicked prosper in this short life on earth. My God. Mm. His appraisal is correct. Many of the verses in Job 21, 7 through 25, contradict today's theology. There are times when the righteous suffer greatly and other times when the wicked prosper in this life. Call to mind the difficulties devout Christians in Siberia and China have endured. Consider others in concentration camps and prisons and other parts of the world where Christianity is hated. If our theology is true, it will work anywhere on earth. Some of the finest gold on earth comes from places of persecution and trouble. Prosperity can be a curse. There are times when prosperity can actually be a curse. Prosperity can make people forget God, Deuteronomy 6.10. Therefore, they say unto God, depart from us, for we desire not the knowledge of thy ways. What is the Almighty that we should serve him? And what profit should we have if we pray unto him? Job sums it all well in Job 21, 23, saying, One dieth in full strength, being holy at ease and quiet. Another dieth in bitterness of soul and never eateth with pleasure. One wicked person has great prosperity. Another wicked person has one woe after another. Some of the wicked are as happy as can be and seem to get away with murder. A man's spirituality cannot be measured by material prosperity. Remember the account of the rich man and Lazarus, Luke 16:19. Lazarus had a miserable life on earth. He was poor, sick, undernourished, and an outcast in society. Yet he made the Lord his refuge, and now he enjoys everlasting life. 
The rich man had everything a mortal could want in life, but he felt no need for God. He died in his sin, and now he's suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. When God has given up on people, he ceases to correct them. Mm. It is not a blessing when everything goes our way. We should thank God when he shuts the door or upsets our plans. One man said, every door that God has shut for me was only a prison door away. In other words, if he had succeeded in getting what he pursued, he would have regretted being locked into it and wanted to escape. God alone knows what will happen, what will make us happy. We do not. Do not become bitter against God. If he does not allow you to take a certain path, whom the Lord loves, he chastens, he corrects, and he disciplines. See Job 5.17, Proverbs 3.11. When God ceases to correct a person, it means he has given up on him. When he continues to rebuke us, it is a sign that he still cares. The rod of God is not upon those who God does not love. Job 21.9, the Lord allows some people to go their own way, and he does not correct them. To be transformed from the in unfamiliar circumstances. Change often involves pain. This is the reason people resist change. We would rather a comfortable and secure. We would rather be comfortable and secure. In our natural selves, we do not like we do not like to live by faith. We want to know beforehand how everything is going to work out. We want everything explained to us first. We prefer something that is visible and tangible. But faith requires a step into the unknown. In actuality, the life of faith is the most secure way to live because when you obey God, he takes care of you. Wow. Third discourse of Eliphaz, chapter 22, Job. Eliphaz speaks erroneously for God. Is it any pleasure to the Almighty that thou art righteous? Or is it... Or is it gain to him that thou makest thy ways perfect? Obviously, obviously God takes pleasure in those who are upright, Psalms 11.7. Then he goes much too far in 22.5.10, defaming Job's character. In Job 22.5, he says, Are not thine iniquities infinite? Job, your sins are so many, they're beyond numbering. Once again, Eliphaz is reviling Job rather than reproving him. He's condemning him instead of encouraging him. God had previously said that there was no one on earth more righteous than Job. The counseling session has become a battlefield, and the participants are blundering, blundering each other. In Job 22, Job is again exhorted to turn back to God. His friends assure him that if he will repent, then God will restore mercy and blessing. However, they are failing to touch the crux of the matter. In chapters 23 and 24, we have Job's seventh answer. Job says, God would take my side. In Job 23, he says, oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his feet. I would order my cause before him and fill my mouth with argument. I would know the words which he gives answer me and understand what he would say unto me. Will he, be, will he plead against me with his great power? No, 
but he would put strength in me. There the righteous might dispute with him, so he so should I be acquitted forever by my not by my judge. Job longed for a fair hearing before God. He wanted to present his case to God and he believed that God would rule in his favor. Job believed he believed he knew how God would respond to him. But Job was in for the shock of his life when God finally did come on the scene in chapters 38 to 42. It was nothing at all as he had suspected. God came with a stern rebuke. Here is the whole problem of mankind. Man thinks he knows what he needs, but man is very mistaken. We do not know what we need. What we need to hear and what we think we need to hear are two different things. Job knew that he had not committed any sins that warranted his catastrophe. He knew that his friends had misjudged him and he was looking for vindication from God. However, he was still missing the point. Job had been criticizing the Most High God. He had condemned God and said that he had perverted justice. Yet, Job found no fault with himself. This was his error. Job was blind to his problem. Therefore, God was prolonging his trial so that his problem would keep coming out of his mouth until he could see it. When I was a teenager, I suffered from a herniated disc in my lower spine. This injury caused excruciating pain. This is the author of the book that I'm reading from. Excruciating pain to run down the right leg since the bulging disc was pushing against nerve roots going down the leg. At first, I did not know what was wrong. The pain went even to the toes. I thought I had a leg problem, but it all started with the lower spine. Amazingly, there was a little pain in the spine. Can you imagine my surprise when I was told that a pain in my foot came from my lower back? The lesson that I learned at 17 years old has stayed with me to this very day. It carries a profound message. We know where we are hurting, but we often do not know the source of the problem. Diagnosis is difficult. When I, told, when I was told that my problem stemmed from something else, I was quite upset. Job was expecting God to say one thing, but instead the Lord came from an entirely different direction and Job was stunned. We think we know what we need and we think we know what God would say, but God sees our situation very differently. Isaiah 55, 8. Another declaration of faith. I shall come forth as gold. In Job 23, 10, this is a classic verse. He knoweth the way that I take when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Faith was burning in Job's heart. Here he was in mass boils. Young people kicked him. Others would laugh at him and mock him. Job was a helpless wreck of humanity that everybody despised. Yet in the midst of all of this, he had his declaration of faith. God is going to bring me forth as pure gold. He understood that he was being refined as a goal of any remaining mixture during this fiery trial. God was preparing Job to reign with him forever, Job 19.25. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Job loved the word of God and the voice of God, Jeremiah 15.6. This was more important to him than natural food. His hunger and thirst was for righteousness more than food. 
He had abstained from worldly appetites and the lust of the flesh in order that his spiritual appetite would be keen for the word of God. Job was a man of prayer and fasting. He spent much of his time and life seeking God. Mm. For he performeth the thing that is appointed for me. This is further evidence that Job knew beforehand that a trial was coming. Job understood that the Lord had ordained this trial and that it was a path he had to tread. Thus, it is God who foreordains our every trial and blessing. For God maketh my heart soft. Trials are for the purpose of making men and women more mellow. Suffering takes away harshness. We have not suffered enough. Our ability to understand is shallow. We are insensitive to the anguish of others. In chapter 24, Job speaks of the ways of the wicked. He is saying that the wicked seem to get away with everything. Mm. You know the Bible is a book of history because these demons seem to be getting away with everything, but they're not. But ultimately, they will come to nothing and be judged. Job 24:23. His evaluation is correct. Bill Gad's third answer in chapter 25. Oh, and that's with my look about whoops. There was a problem loading this page. So the next page says, uh, let's refresh. That's up my thing. <clears throat> Job was not backslidden. We did that. We did the importance of vision. Okay. Job's seventh answer. <clears throat> I shall come forth as gold. Okay. And then we did Bildad's third answer, and then I'll stop after this. Bildad speaks in generalities. His remarks are just a few sayings. They are true enough but irrelevant to Job's needs. He emphasizes the holiness of God and the unclean state of man, but still does not pinpoint Job's problem. In Job 26, 1 through 4, in these verses, Job tells Bildad, that his counsel has accomplished nothing. Verses 5 to 14 indicate their knowledge and understanding of creation. They had extraordinary knowledge. In Job 26, 14, these are parts of his ways, but how a little portion is heard of him. Job says that our understanding of the ways of God is very limited. At the same time, Job had been criticizing God's wisdom. In doing so, he was making himself wiser than God. To find fault with God is to say that you know more than God and that you can manage things better. It is amazing that a person can quote scriptures and still have no idea that those very verses apply to needs in himself more than anyone else. Job's answer was in his own mouth, yet he could not hear or perceive it closing in on Job's problem. In Job 27, 1 through 4, as God liveth, who has taken away my justice in the Almighty, who has vexed my soul, 
All the while my breath is in me and the spirit of God is in my nostril, my lips shall not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. Now we're closing in on the root of Job's problem. He finds fault with God, but none with himself. He condemns God, but justifies himself. He's putting his righteousness and wisdom above God. Job had just contradicted himself in one breath. He condemns the Lord. In the next breath, he says he will never sin with his lips. Okay. He was putting God down and lifting himself up. In Job 27, 5, 6, he says, Till I die, I will not remove my integrity from me, my righteousness. I hold fast and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. Job finds no fault in himself, but finds fault with God. He was ready to defend his position even unto death. Job is being very obstinate. During my years of dealing with people, I have been amazed to see men broken in health broken in finance, broken in marriage, and broken in reputation, but not broken in spirit. Elihu, the silent listener, an onlooker, he bore witnesses, Job and the three friends argue, each one explaining the ways of God from superior insight. God was preparing Elihu to speak in the remainder of chapter 27. Job continues to defend himself. Self-righteousness is a form of an idol. Job had made an idol of his righteousness. Was he righteous? Yes. Even though God said he was righteous. But when he found fault with God and none with himself, he was self-righteous. Self-righteousness is unrighteousness. Observe how many times he says, my righteousness, not God. Remember, if man possesses any goodness at all, it is because God imparted it to him. Righteousness does not originate in man. God alone broke the bondages of our sins. His attitude should have been something like this. Lord, any righteousness I possess, it comes from you. I have tried by your grace to be righteous and holy, but please show me where I'm still blind and what I am lacking. It would be good to memorize the following scriptures, Isaiah 54, 17, Isaiah 64, 6, Revelation 16, 4. Lord, righteousness belongs unto thee. Job's discourse on wisdom, and here in chapter 28. This chapter records Job's great discussion on wisdom. Job had received an impartation of wisdom by living in God's presence. Man cannot find true wisdom because it is hidden. 1 Corinthians 2, 7, 8. All of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. Man searches everywhere for wisdom and the true meaning of life, but he's unable to find it without first honoring the one from whom whom all wisdom comes. Christ himself is wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.30. If we know Christ intimately, we will understand life because he created life. Verses 12, 20, and 28 in Job are key verses for the chapter. In verse 28.12, it says, where shall wisdom be found? Verse 28 gives the answer, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Reverence for God and obedience to the Lord is the key to having wisdom. Disobedience and rejection of the truth snuffs out the light in man. Paul says, their foolish heart was darkened, Romans 1.21, Matthew 6.23. Wisdom and understanding are God's gifts to the righteous. 
For God deprives the wicked of understanding. See Deuteronomy 4, 1 through 6. Real wisdom answers all the dilemmas of the heart. The vulture's eyesight is very sharp, but he cannot see the path of wisdom. Wisdom is hidden from every living creature. Destruction and death are evil spirits. They know the same of wisdom, and they fear wisdom. Wisdom delivers men from death and destruction. Job, with all of his insight on wisdom, still had areas in his life where wisdom was not reigning. Job reminisces over his past glory in chapter 29. Job 29, too, says, oh, that I were in months past as in the days when God preserved me. Job reminisces over his past life, his righteous deeds, and the honor he had before the trial. He wishes he could go back in time and just stay there. He is saying, Look where I used to be, and now look where I have fallen. When we are in a dark trial, our minds often revert to happier times. In Job 29.3, God was with me then. His glory was upon me. I knew his secrets. My children were gathered around me, and we were so happy. Dignitaries respected me. I was generous to the poor. I defended the helpless. My presence was my presence was referenced by everyone. My opinions and my counsel were much sought after. Job had been a very mighty man. Mm, boy. Job compares his past glory with his present state in chapter 30. But now, they that are younger than I have me in derision. Job compares his present deplorable state with his past glory. They abhor me, they flee far from me, and they spare not to spit in my face. Not only was Job on trial, everyone was on trial. The people downtown hated him and spoke against him. His bones ached and he could not sleep. His balls were running with pus so that his clothes were sticking fast to his skin. Job cried, God does not hear me or regard me. He has become cruel to me. Job had wept for others when they were in trouble and had showed pity to the poor. But he thought, what good did it do me? Look at my reward. When I look for good, evil came. He was also very lonely. I'm a brother to jackals and a companion to owls. There are appointed seasons in our life. Read Ecclesiastes 3, verses 1 through 8. God has appointed special times of blessing in our lives, mountaintop experiences. God has also foreordained special times of adversity to work something out in our heart. There is a time to break down and a time to build up, Ecclesiastes 3.3. God was breaking Job down, and he was going to rebuild him a better man during trials. God is changing and restructuring our soul and our frame of mind. In addition to this, the trial lasts longer than we anticipated. The principle of bitter and sweet. There is a principle from Esther 2.12 that we should remember. Esther underwent purification processes before she became, before she appeared before the king. These purification processes, presumably of the skin, involve six months treatment with oil of myrrh and six months of sweet spices and perfumes. There is a spiritual truth here that we should observe. Myrrh speaks of bitter experiences, and the sweet spices speak of pleasant experiences. Both are necessary for purification. 
Good times are just as essential for our purification as the difficult times. Seasons of blessings and joy cleanse our hearts from hurts and hardness. Do not expect your Christian life to be a road of misery and trial. This will be, there will be many blessings too. In fact, the good times will far outweigh the bad times. All right, I'm going to stop here. All right, God, we thank you, Heavenly Father, for the reading on Job, how he reminisces over his past glory, which we all do. We look at before we came to T.I., what did I have, you know, how we were living. But for whatever reason, God allowed this program to come on us. And we have to accept it and move and, and, and work with God so that we can overcome it and become the person God created us to be. It's a horrific program. I wouldn't recommend it on anyone. However, what the devil meant for bad, God will use for good. And I thank you and I praise you, God, that we can use this time, and particularly my sister Angelica, who is sitting in a car and in the cold and in just a horrific situation, but she found a way to keep her ears open to the word of God. God looks high and he sits low. And I know you see that, Lord. And I know you have a way to open the windows of heaven for each one of us, God, to turn things around, Heavenly Father, and don't let us lose that key to our blessings is the faith. You did it for Job, God. I know you can do it for us. This is a trial. We have to pass the trial. We have to pass this test. This is a test of your faith. You have to make sure we continue to be do good. Don't let bitterness win. Don't let the devil win. God, wherever you lead us, we will follow. I will follow. This was a breaking down of the spirits. The old person that we were, we're no longer. Many targeted individuals would not be talking about human rights now had this program not existed. They'd have been gallivanting like the rest of the clowns across this earth, including myself. So, God, I just give you all the praise, God. I thank you, God, for the book of Job that gives us a a blueprint that that was a horrific test, and it wasn't wasn't Satan's doing. It was God allowing it to be done to purify and build a better person. God, we ask you to build us up and purify us, Heavenly Father, but we ask you, God, to please don't give us more than we can bear, Heavenly Father. Let us be able to hear your word and your teachings, God, according to your will. Keep us under your blood, Heavenly Father, and bless our bloodline, our children, our children's children, our nieces and our nephews, Heavenly Father. And don't let this demon program break them down to the point that they become bitter with you, God. I plead the blood of Jesus against bitterness. And I ask you, God, to use this program to bring souls to, to the kingdom of God to make America the great place it was and let America see that it cannot be the great country it is without acknowledging the sovereign power of God, without acknowledging the need to follow God's laws over man's laws. Heavenly Father, every plot these demons have to take over this earth, I plead the blood of Jesus, Heavenly Father that it will not come to pass, that the demons will never fool this nation and make them think that they're more powerful than the Most High God. 
I stand on your word, Heavenly Father, that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and every demon from the pit of hell trying to make it look like the earth is theirs, I bind and rebuke that spirit of deception. And God, I ask you to use your people, God's people, to stand up and remove these demons from this earth and restore God's laws across this earth, which will shut down demon forces. In the name of Jesus, this is my prayer. Amen. Anne, you want to pray? Anne? Anne? Okay, I know it's kind of late. You want to pray, Mother? Pray. You, 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 sorry. I'll let you go. I'm taping. I can't have it. Wait, wait. Let me give you the phone. I'm taping. I'm taping. I can't have it from the back. Hold on, Mother. I'm, I'm taping. But can't be in the background. If you're going to pray, let me give you the phone. You don't have to. You tired? I understand. You tired? You want to pray or not? No, you're Okay. I knew she was tired, so just bear with her. All right. Ann, darling, are you there? I know you like to pray. Ann? Yeah, I guess I know. I'm, I just run... Long days, so just bear with me. I come on pretty late, and I know it impacts my um, it impacts my um, you, the people. Just bear with me. One day, God will give us a nice school, and uh, we'll be able to have things in order a little earlier. Right now, I just kind of do the best I can. So um, God bless you guys. And um, recording. Your conference recording has stopped. Okay. Do with all the targeted individuals that are praying and those that are not praying, we ask the Holy Spirit to touch them. And just bring them back into the kingdom of God because we don't need any more power with the, the demon forces. Okay. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.